Welcome to No Baller. My name is Chris Rawl. It is Wednesday, June 16th. On today's show, awe and sympathy in sports. Before we get there, we have an app. Incredibly true news that I hope all of you can go out and participate in. Uh, If you search for the Beehive TV, you can find our app on any platform of your choosing. Go and download it. You'll get a push notification. If you want, anytime No Baller video or audio comes out, you can comment on anything that we're doing. You can interact with us. Uh, It would be a great boost to us, great help, all that kind of stuff. In addition to that, if you enjoy this show, uh, as I've been saying for the past few weeks, please share this with the people in your life who like sports. Uh, I'm very passionate about sports. I love doing this show. I love talking about it. Uh, And I think that anybody who enjoys sports will like uh, a lot of the themes and things that I have to say within this. So please uh, help spread the word. Uh, Please and thank you. We'll start where we always start, with gambling. Why gambling should be legal in Utah. Game five of the Bucks net series was last night, which I'm going to talk a lot about on the other side of our ad. For the gambling part, I bet on Chris Middleton to hit over 35.5 points plus rebounds plus assists. And I was on pace for that pretty much the entire majority of the game, and I was feeling great about it. And then in the fourth quarter, when the game tightened up, the Bucks' offense turned into uh, uh, just a bog. You know, it was stuffed into a toilet and flushed and went down the sewage system and then came out into a cesspool. And I don't even know how to describe whatever that offense was down the last six minutes of that game. I do know it was atrocious, and Chris Middleton was not really involved. So a dude who finishes uh, with 34 combined points, rebounds, and assists is one and a half off, and I'm just sitting there going, give me anything. Give me two points. Give me an assist and a rebound. Give me literally anything. And instead, I just watched the bog. I watched the bog that was the Milwaukee isolation offense in the fourth quarter, something we've seen in the past of the playoffs and something we saw again yesterday. So why gambling should be legal in Utah? Because it will make you hate the Bucks' crunch time isolation offense even more than you already do. And now, a word from our favorite and presenting sponsor, Traeger Grills. With your Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill, perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. We will start this show with a tweet and a graphic that was sent out by ESPN Stats and Info before the second round of the NBA playoffs began. None of the eight teams still alive in the NBA playoffs have won a title since the playoffs expanded to 16 teams in 1984. Sixers, 1983. Bucks, 1971. Hawks, 1958. And then the Clippers, Jazz, Nets, Nuggets, and Suns never won a championship. So I've talked continually about this NBA season and how I think there's a lot of opportunity there for teams that maybe in the past wouldn't have had as good of a chance because just this randomized stuff that's going on uh, in a strange COVID season. Uh, and there's a lot of new blood when it comes to what's going or what's, what's still there in the NBA, what's existing and, and possibly able to win a championship. Um, and as I'm always doing, I always take time to kind of reflect on my relationship with 
sports and what I'm watching in real time and just kind of the emotions that go into uh, being a part of something that I love. And yesterday it was a really, uh, I, I wouldn't say conflicting, but I was feeling two very separate things when I was watching this Bucks nets game, uh, awe and sympathy, two things that I feel in great quantities when I watch sports. Uh, I'll, I'll start a little bit with the sympathetic side because this is something that I've always kind of possessed because I've always cared deeply about sports and it's grown stronger as I've gotten older uh, because, you know, I, I carry a lot of these losses with me and I just go, oh man, we just could have tweaked this one thing. The Avalanche could have won a Stanley Cup or the Packers could have won a Super Bowl or Nebraska could have been good at football again. And, and I just go through that process every single year over and over and over. I always say, you know, one team wins a championship every year. And the vast majority of years, it ain't your team. And so when that happens, I become strangely sympathetic for almost every other team and fan base. Fan base especially, because that's uh, what I'm a part of. You know, I'm a fan of this specific team. And because of that, I know that fans of other teams, they're going through the same emotional journey that I'm going through. And so on the one hand, I know how big of a bummer it is when your team season ends. I just went that through that, or I went through that with the Avalanche. And so when uh, teams are booted from the playoffs, I feel very sympathetic towards those fans because I know that that's not a fun experience to be a part of. And this year, more so than ever with the NBA, because all of these fan bases uh, have not tasted of a championship in either a long time or for most of them ever, I feel an even stronger sense of sympathy because I know when these teams are outed from the playoffs, it's going to hurt strongly because I, I think that every team that still exists within the playoffs is going, this is wide open for the taking. Uh, and this could be our year. And, and we very rarely say that about ourselves because it's really hard to win a championship. And for some of these smaller market teams, you know, uh, hometown jazz or the Suns, they're looking at going, you just get limited opportunities. Uh, and, and this is, one that we're probably not going to have again. And so if we can follow through and win a championship with this, it's going to be something we remember for the remainder of time. Um, I'm starting to get a similar feeling that I got during game seven of the 2016 World Series between the Cubs and the Indians, two fan bases that had not won a championship in a gazillion years. And it boiled down to this incredibly intense game seven. It was back and forth. The Cubs are up and Indians are trying to come back. And in the eighth inning of that game, uh, Raji Davis hits a two-run homer. Just an incredible, incredible sports moment. Two-run shot to tie up the game. It's in Cleveland. The place is going out of its mind. Uh, just this fan base that starved for a championship. And on the other side, the Cubs, uh, one of, if not the most tortured fan bases in professional sports at that time. And so on the one hand, I'm just feeling a sense of awe, like I don't even like baseball that much. And I'm just sitting there with goosebumps and my heart's beating 100 miles an hour. And I'm going, this is incredible. Uh, this is what I love about sports, this sense of awe from watching things play out in real time. And then the other half of me, something that I'm feeling within these NBA playoffs is uh, it's going to be really uncomfortable because somebody has to lose this game and I'm going to feel super bad for the fan base that is on the losing side. In that case, it was the Indians. And yeah, I felt bad for him. And now we're here in the NBA playoffs. 
And I'm feeling both of these things in equal measure. Awe because we're seeing incredible star performances left and right. And sympathy because uh, as certain team seasons are starting to spiral, I go, this is going to suck when you get outed from the playoffs in a year that every team that's still alive can convince themselves this is our year. So we're going to examine this awe and sympathy through the prism of last night's Bucks nets game, which is... It's up there on the list of just a game that I, a playoff game that I will remember. I record an episode at the start of this series about the star power that exists within this series and how excited I was to just watch it on display. And these playoffs are turning into a war of attrition. Before I jumped on to record this show, we get news that Kawhi Leonard's not playing in Game 5 Jazz Clippers tonight, which I will be at. That's a huge monkey wrench in a series. It already has Mike Conley sitting for the first four games, and who knows about his availability tonight. And we get news that Chris Paul is entering into COVID protocol indefinitely, and who knows when he's going to be available for the Western Conference Finals, whenever the Suns find out their opponent. In the Bucks nets series, James Harden pulls his hamstring in Game 1. He's been out until last night. Kyrie goes down with a rolled ankle. He's out last night. Just turning into a war of attrition. Uh, last team left standing with players that can play, essentially. And even in the midst of all this, Harden comes back last night. He's atrocious. Uh, he was just there. He was a body. But he didn't really do anything to affect play whatsoever. It turned into a, a still a battle of stars. Giannis against Durant. Two of the very best players that we have in basketball. And I go back at the end of this game to a familiar place, you know, because the two things that I felt most strongly after, during and after watching this game was awe at watching probably the best game I've ever seen Kevin Durant play and B, sympathy for the Milwaukee Bucks and their fans for having to watch this team again painfully scramble for answers in real time. I want to read two tweets about this game that kind of encapsulate these two themes that I'm talking about, this awe and the sympathy. The first one comes from StatMuse about the performance from Durant. We just witnessed the greatest playoff game of Kevin Durant's career. 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 16 for 23 from the field, 4 for 9 from 3-point line, 13 for 16 from the free throw line. Played all 48 minutes. Zero seconds of rest. No Kyrie. Hobbled Harden. Scored or assisted the last 43 of 52 Nets points. The first 45-15-10 playoff game ever. And then this tweet from Zach Lowe. An absolute catastrophe for the Bucks on just about every level. And one of the greatest individual games ever from Kevin Durant. End quote. That... Zach Lowe tweet really stood out to me uh, because it, it tapped into how I process sports when I watch them. Uh, there, there's always a lot of themes that go into a game or a series, a lot of what ifs that decide the outcome, win or loss, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that, that taps into the razor thin margins between winning and losing that I constantly reference and talk about on this show. In this tweet from Zach Lowe, it taps into these two... Uh, spheres of emotion 
this awe at one of the greatest individual games ever from Kevin Durant and just this kind of uncomfortable reality. And for me, what turns into sympathy at watching a catastrophe from the Bucks. Again, something that we've seen in the past few years from a team that has been awesome in the regular season and has flamed out sometimes spectacularly uh, when the lights get a little bit brighter and when playoffs really start to shine a light on flaws of an individual or of a team. So I'm struck last night watching this, how quickly these games can turn, how quickly these series can turn, how quickly we uh, think that a series is over and the next thing we know, we go, well, what does this mean? You know, I'll go back to the Kawhi Leonard news this morning. I recorded an episode about game four of Jazz Clippers and it just, it, it was a feeling of doom. At the same time, you go, you just don't know. You never know with this stuff. It can turn so quickly, whether that's in-game adjustments or a player just goes out of their mind from three-point land that you didn't expect or just an injury comes down the chute that you weren't expecting. Now Kawhi Leonard's out and the Clippers have reversed spots with the Jazz. Now the Jazz are going, okay, we feel a lot better. Uh, We got to take advantage of this. These are just the random chance things that happen in the playoffs and you don't apologize for them after the fact. Just like the Raptors are not going to apologize for Kevin Durant tearing his Achilles and Klay Thompson blowing out his knee in the NBA Finals. Uh, when Kawhi Leonard was playing for them. There's all sorts of stuff that goes into a championship, and you don't apologize for it. Uh, You just say, this opportunity exists. We need to take advantage of it. In the Bucs and the Nets series, we've flip-flopped our mind 10 times about who's better, who's going to win, what these injuries mean, who the hell knows. The first half of this game, it's a dominant effort from the Bucs. Especially on defense in the first quarter. They hold the Nets to 4-for-19 shooting from the field, 2-for-13 from three-point land. They're just everywhere. Giannis has a fantastic block at the rim of Jeff Green on a back door. Uh, Drew Holiday, he's swarming Harden, who again is hampered and not playing well at all. Harden, who finishes the game with five points and one for 10 shooting. Uh, the Bucks are just there making life hard in that first half. They go up by 16. And the game feels somewhat in control for Milwaukee. But even with this lead... Uh, and I'm sure Bucks fans felt this more strongly than I did, just an impartial observer who wanted to watch an enjoyable basketball game and cash out a few bets that I had on props. Uh, watching Milwaukee play offense is an uneasy proposition at best, even when they're up. This is magnified through their very best player, one of the best basketball players in the world, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who finishes the game with 34 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 14 for 22 from the field. Awesome stat line. Uh, did... So many incredible things within this game. He's also an incredible player with very clearly defined flaws. One that I don't believe his team and his coaching staff does a good job of mitigating, especially within the playoffs. He's a shaky free throw shooter. Uh, That's pretty much on him. He's a shaky perimeter shooter. Again, that's on him, but I would prefer to not see him in these situations where he's constantly having to or feeling compelled to shoot outside and and he's just he's not the most efficient form of offense when you roll the ball to him at the top of the three-point arc and say go get us a buck uh get us a bucket in isolation we saw all of this on display the highs and the lows uh and again much more highs than lows you look at that stat line and you go i'll take that any time from any player on planet earth 14 for 22 from the field 34 12 and 4 that's a great statistical game And what sucks is when you lose, uh, 
everybody nitpicks at the flaws. And you can hone in on the plays that went against you and say, what, what was this? This needed to be better. You know, there are three plays for me that came to mind in crunch time with Giannis. The first one, you know, these are in the final six minutes of the game. That's this close. Razor thin margins. Play switched here changes the outcome. A play switch there changes the outcome over and over. Each possession back and forth. Giannis gets the ball in this time frame and he just kind of panics at one point and just tries to drive as hard as he can to the hoop and they're just defenders waiting for him. He plows in, charge, going back the other way. That's a turnover that you can't really afford at this point in a game. They get him the ball on the block with James Harden guarding him. James Harden, who shouldn't be able to guard him, period, when he's healthy and who, again, is playing on a bum hamstring and who is not effective in this game. And instead of just getting it and going and either forcing him to foul or just dunking or getting a layup, Giannis settles for this strange fadeaway jumper from the corner that if anybody knows anything about basketball is watching that, as soon as he starts to rise up, I'm sitting there watching it going, it's impossible for this shot to go in. It will not go in. I can assure you of that. And it doesn't. Another thing, you know, you just, these little tiny things within a playoff game. And the most, probably the biggest swing play of the game is Chris Middleton makes uh, an incredible move with the clock ticking under 20 seconds, the Bucks down two, frees up space for himself, gets to the key, throws a perfect pass to Giannis right in his hands where 99 times out of 100, he just catches it, turns the hoop, dunks it. It's a tie game. Who knows what happens? And instead, uh, Giannis just kind of fumbles it and loses control, bumbles it around his feet. The Nets finally swarm in, pick up the ball, turnover, shooting free throws the other way, and essentially that's the game. And that's just a weird thing, you know? I, I think people will look at that, and if you're one of the stone-brained cavemen, people that I sometimes argue against when it comes to this idea of a clutch player, they'll point to that and go, well, Giannis just wasn't prepared for the moment, and I'll just go, he didn't drop this simple pass just because the moment was too big or he was... He was thinking about it too much. It's just one of those random things that happen. You know, it's the same thing that Tony Romo catches a snap in his first playoff game and just has to set it down for a field goal to be kicked, and he just bumbles it. It's just random chance, you know? It's it's an error, but in a way that you can't really say, you just should have done better at this. It's just like, yeah, this just happens once every blue moon. Unfortunately, this happened at the worst possible time. That was this play with Hart, or with uh, with Giannis. So the other side of the equation, uh, this awe-inspiring side, is Kevin Durant painting his masterpiece. If you watch the game, his stretch at the end of the third quarter and the start of the fourth, when Brooklyn is coming back from this 17-point deficit and taking the lead for the first time since the very, very start of the game— It's about as dominant a stretch of offense as you can see from an NBA player. Uh, And it was just based upon repetition. It was Durant getting a high screen, uh, P.J. Tucker getting rubbed out, and Durant attacking with speed Brooke Lopez, who's trying to hang back and who is definitely not equipped to try and hang with Kevin Durant. And so he feasts. He's hitting pull-up jumpers, pull-up jumpers. He's hitting threes. He's getting to the rim and laying it up. It was just a non-stop stream of buckets in this specific way. High screen, come and hit my defender, 
and I'm going. And nothing that Milwaukee is going to do here, uh, nothing can stop me. I actually felt a lot of sympathy for Brooke Lopez in this situation because if I were him, after the first few times it happened, uh, I would have been looking to the bench going, you guys can't put me in this position. Uh, I can't be this defender in isolation against Kevin Durant. That's an unfair ask. I will get obliterated if I'm asked to do this repeatedly on every single possession. And that's how the Nets storm back into the game. They give probably the best offensive player in the league right now uh, the basketball and say, yeah, let's get a great matchup for you, and you're going to cook. And he did. It's, it's incredible to watch this version of Durant two years removed from that Achilles tear because you never really know how a player is going to respond to a traumatic injury like that, whether they'll come back or whether they won't. Uh, and so we didn't really know if we'd get this level of Durant, you know, that's as good as anything you can watch in basketball right now. This 45-15-10 game that has never been done in a, in a playoff game in the history of basketball in a 2-2 series, in a Game 5 that his team needs him more than ever because one star is down and another is just there for the ride, uh, and Durant steps up. That's this feeling of awe that's created. Like, ah, this is why I like watching sports. Because when the very best athletes are performing at their very best level in the highest leverage games, it's really meaningful, and it will create these memories that that I can just remember and recall uh, years and years down the road. As always, in addition to this star stuff, you have to have contributions from elsewhere. This is one of those things that when you're on the losing side, it just makes you tear your hair out. And again, where I feel great sympathy for Bucks fans. Because Jeff Green loses his mind in this game. He goes 8 for 11 from the field, 7 for 8 from 3. He finishes with 27 points. Jeff Green. Seemed like any time the Nets needed a 3... When the game seemed like it was getting out of hand, Jeff Green's there. He's swishing a three. Uh, he hits one of the biggest threes of the game with three minutes and change to go. The Nets are up one. He gets it in the corner. He's contested. High arcing shot. Swish. Uh, if you're on the wrong side of it, you can live with the Durant stuff. It's It sucks. But you go, man, we ran up against an all-time player playing an all-time game. And uh, there are still a lot of things that if they went differently, we could have won. But sometimes this is just what it means to not have the very, very, very best player on the court at that given time. It's the same feeling that Jazz fans have about their two NBA finals against the Bulls. There are a lot of things that if you just switch, you go, ah, there's a world where we could win the series. And at the end of the day, you go, it just kind of sucks that we had to run into Michael Jordan uh, and go against some of these all-time performances and all-time shots. That's just the way of the world sometimes within sports. That's why you always want the very best on your team. Because when you have that, uh, it provides a larger margin for error than the team that doesn't have it. Another player that steps up for the Nets is Blake Griffin, uh, who scores 17 enormous points. He hits three enormous threes. Similar to what Green was doing when, when the Nets needed it, it felt like the game was slipping away. Blake Griffin's the one who's canning these laser threes off the back of the rim and going in. It's just these little things that build up uh, alongside this incredible star performance that creates a winning game for the Nets and this catastrophic loss for the Bucks, where they're picking up the pieces going into game six and saying, 
we can do some things differently. Uh, we have to. There's a lot of questions that we have, again, that are similar to past playoff questions. And it sucks to be in a situation where we have these again, and it sucks to be in a position where Kevin Durant uh, does this against us. And all these things comprise why I feel so much sympathy for a fan base that's on the brink and why I will fill it again for the loser of the Hawks Sixer series and the loser of the Clippers Jazz series and whoever loses in the Western Conference Finals, the Eastern Conference Finals, all of these things. Because the amount of plays that you wish you could have back in a game like last night's Game 5, they'll drive you insane as a fan. They'll drive you insane as a team and as a coaching staff. But I can only speak to the prism of the fan. Uh, And they're just endless. They pile up. There's one weird one that I I made note of when it had happened. Because I'm a weird uh, believer in just these karmic forces that sometimes you get a feeling that tonight's not your night as this specific team. And I had that feeling at the end of the third quarter with about a minute to go when the Bucks are still up. Uh, Durant has just, he's called up the high screen. Tucker's gotten rubbed out. Uh, he blows by Brooke Lopez for a layup to cut the deficit to six. Right off that, P.J. Tucker runs and grabs the inbound pass, throws it, and it bounces off of Middleton's hand. Nobody's there defending it, and it goes out of bounds. So the crowd is getting into it at this point. They're way fired up. An unforced turnover, and I just, I said, uh-oh, out loud. I go, oh boy, this is, this is starting to get that feeling because you felt the swell of Kevin Durant starting to take over this game, and you just have this past scar tissue of Milwaukee Bucks playoff defeats, and oh no, is this happening again? And all of these plays, they just, they pile up again. They go on into the fourth quarter. I, I, I just want to reference a few specifically, but these are by no means the amount. Because I'm sure if I put a Bucks fan behind this microphone and said, how about you just tell me uh, just some of these swing plays that existed last night in the fourth quarter, they'd probably bring up 40 off the top of their head. One that really was prominent to me is a tie game with a little over a minute to go. James Harden makes his only contribution of the game in a way that really only James Harden can do. This infuriating flop or not flop, contact or not contact, putting the onus on a ref to make a call in a place that just every fan would prefer that a ref would just swallow the whistle and say, I don't know why everybody's on the ground, but just keep playing. This is absurd. If you were, you're kind of acting like toddlers right now, rolling around, pointing at the other person. And if I had my way, I would just send you both to timeout and sub in two new people and make you think about life for a while. Instead, uh, the NBA, they like to call fouls. Uh, and they've indeed created an atmosphere where it's in the best interest of players to continually make plays like Harden plays or make plays like Harden did with a minute and change to go. Brooke Lopez comes into a pick. He's got his arm out. You can't really tell if... Lopez is initiating the contact or if Harden just loops his arm around his and tugs on him and then falls down onto the ground as we've seen Harden do three million times in his career. You never really know what's what there. Uh, And it's just a play that turns into two points because Brooklyn shoots free throws. It's just a play that is solely based upon a ref's opinion and a ref's willingness to blow a whistle at a time where I think most people would prefer that they didn't. But this is how NBA games are won or lost. We've seen this through 
my entire basketball watching career. Uh, I referenced the wrong place, wrong time stuff with a star player when you're on the wrong side of it. And Kevin Durant, his three-pointer with under a minute to go with the Nets up by one, he catches it with the shot clock, clock dwindling. The Bucks actually play really good defense on the possession. He hits a contested three uh, that, that you just take off your hat and you say, well done. That'll be the cap on truly a memorable performance. Uh, the most memorable performance I can remember from Kevin Durant. Just the exclamation point on this game of continual exclamation points. And I feel a lot of sympathy for a fan base that's on the wrong side of that. Because as cool as it is to watch Durant, and as much awe as that inspires, you always have the losing side. The Bucks are going, oh man, these playoffs are wide open. And we thought we had improved our team to not fail like we did in the past to not get into these crunch time offensive possessions and turn into a clogged toilet of an offense. We wish uh, that this would not be the case. We'd hope that this was not the case. Now we're seeing a similar theme. And in addition to that, we're on the wrong side of this all-time performance from Kevin Durant. Small things, they all build up. Uh, Last but not least, it's the aforementioned fumble of the past by Giannis, which these are the ones that will drive you most insane of all. Because it's something that he's done successfully 10 million times. He'll do it successfully 10 million more. Middleton makes an incredibly great play. Draws the defense to him. Just an easy dish. Hands are there. And for one reason or another, call it fate, call it chance, call it not being there for the moment if you want. Uh, I don't really care. The main end result is just a play that should have turned into an easy two for Milwaukee, a tie game a game that could go either way. It's now free throws going the other way for Brooklyn. They hit them both. Game, set, match. Series now 3-2 with Brooklyn. Going back to Milwaukee tomorrow night. Uh, A sense of doom. A sense of that familiar feeling of catastrophe that's referenced in the Zach Lowe tweet. Uh, And all these emotions that go into a game like this. Uh, Awe uh, on the positive side. And sympathy for me, a person who's not affiliated with either team. And on the worst side of it, if you are truly a fan of the Bucks, it's just devastation. Uh, and, and this is an incredible year of basketball that's being pulled by a lot of outside forces. You know, the, the news this morning with Kawhi, with Chris Paul, uh, rewinding further back in the playoffs with Mike Conley, with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, with... Joel Embiid, Uh, there's a lot of luck, chance, injury that is going into this year more than ever, which on the one side kind of sucks, which on the other side, like I always say, you don't apologize for that stuff because that's part of the game. And there's more randomized chance this year now than ever. But whoever wins the championship this year, I can assure you, they're not going to feel bad about it and they shouldn't. And their fans are not going to feel bad about it and they shouldn't. And everybody else who loses, uh, they'll feel the weight of this year more probably than any other year when it comes to the NBA and basketball. So all these little things add up. Um, If you win, you forget about them and you concentrate on the big picture. We won. That's it. It's all that matters for us. 
And, and if you lose like the Bucks did last night or if they lose the series, uh, you spend the rest of your life just wondering about what could have been. Thank you for listening to No Baller. This podcast can be found on any platform of your choosing. If you could rate and review and help spread the word, it would help me immensely. If you have additional feedback or thoughts that you want incorporated into the show, please email me at chris at thebeehive.com. Last but not least, if you would prefer to listen to this as a video, go to thebeehive.com and find No Baller.